0: I'm Glenn Robinson, and I've spent the last 30 years as a healthcare leader and overseeing large organizations. And before that, I was in the news business. And I'm Jacob Robinson, his son. I've spent the last five years building a
1: business and learning lessons of leadership along the way. And this is our podcast, Chasing What Matters. On
0: this podcast, we're going to interview leaders from all walks of life and hear their stories of successes and failures and what has made them become who they are today and how their faith and families played a role in their lives and leadership styles. During these
1: interviews, we will be discussing things from business to politics, healthcare to nonprofit, and anything in between to find out how these leaders are chasing what matters in their work and personal life. So welcome to another episode of Chasing What Matters. Hey everyone, we're so glad you could join us for another
0: episode of the Chasing What Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Jacob Robinson. And I'm your other co-host, Glenn Robinson. Our guest today is Joel Allison. After more than four decades in healthcare leadership, Joel retired from the position of president and CEO of Baylor Scott & White Health. For more than two decades, Joel worked to grow the system from a few hospitals and outpatient surgery centers in the DFW market to a system of 48 hospitals and more than 1,000 patient access points, making Baylor Scott & White Health the largest health system in Texas. During his career, he served on a number of boards, including the Healthcare Leadership Council and United Surgical Partners International. In addition, he served as chair of the United Way of Metropolitan Dallas and the Dallas Regional Chamber Board and chair of the Baylor University Board of Regents. Joel has received a number of awards and honors, including the American Hospital Association's Award of Honor. The prestigious Earl Collier Award from the Texas Hospital Association, Baylor's B Association Wall of Honor, and the George W. Truett Distinguished Church Service Award from Baylor's Alumni Association. Joel earned his bachelor's degree in religion and journalism from Baylor University and his master's degree from Trinity University. Joel and his wife, Diane, have been married for more than 50 years, and they have a daughter and two sons, and they are most proud of their six grandchildren. Joel, my friend, welcome to the Chasing What Matters podcast.
2: Thank you, Glenn. It's truly an honor to be with you and Jacob today. Thank you for inviting me, and I I appreciate this opportunity. You've been such a great friend, Glenn, and uh, just thank you. Well,
0: we're so glad you're here. Yes.
1: Well, Joel, starting out for us, uh, tell us about growing up uh, and how you got started.
2: Well, I grew up in the uh, Midwest uh, in the town of uh, New Bloomfield, Missouri, a little country town. Grew up on a farm in my early years. Uh, we basically didn't farm for a living. It was more of a, a hobby for my dad uh, who happened to work in town. We were about 20 miles from Jefferson City. And uh, that was, the, as you know, the capital. And he worked there, but we also farmed. And I did a lot of farm work and grew up that way. But uh, we moved into Jeff City because of my mother. Uh, my mother was uh, very determined that I would be the first in our family, to get a college education. Uh, have two older siblings who did not go to college. They graduated from high school and went on to work, uh, but my mother felt that uh, it was important to get a college education. My mother and father, neither one had any uh, educa- college education, so we moved into Jeff City. I spent my junior high and senior years uh, there, uh, getting prepared, and then I was uh, blessed. I played sports, and I was blessed by a great high school football coach and and the good Lord and a friend in the church. Um, I was offered a a scholarship to Baylor University and that's how I left the the Midwest and and came to Waco, Texas as a uh, a 18 year old, uh, very uh, fresh green and very alone at the time, uh, except for the football team.
0: Well, did you ever consider any other uh, point of education other than
2: Baylor? Yes, I did, Glenn. In fact, I had always been under the impression in high school that I'd obviously have to pay for my education. So we were looking at small schools. Uh, I had a sense of uh, wanting to go to a faith-based university. I I had uh, desires of some type of ministry. I felt called to some type. I didn't know what type it was, journalism ministry or Uh, pulpit or missions, but uh, I was looking at small Baptist schools like William Jewell, uh, Washita Baptist, or anything that was close to home. Um, My pastor of our church, First Baptist Church, was helping me, and that's when I started getting some recognition in football, and suddenly I started getting offers from other uh, Power Five schools, Kansas State, Oklahoma, then Wake Forest called, but then I got a call to uh, for Baylor and uh, made the visit, uh, and I actually didn't look at any other schools because I felt so much that this is where God wanted me, and that with the help of a gentleman in my church that I didn't even know was helping me, who had made the contact to Baylor and to uh, one of the coaches, that uh, that's how I was offered, and I never looked back. I said, uh, I want to go to Baylor.
0: Well, Joel, when you walk through that athletic complex at Baylor today and you look at that, but more importantly, you look at how athletes in D1 are treated, uh, give our listeners just a quick comparison of what it was like to play for, uh, uh a division one school, uh, a couple of years ago and a division one school today.
2: Well, I will say this, uh, it was a, it was a wonderful experience to play football at Baylor, uh, I, unfortunately I was recruited when John Bridges was a coach. Uh, he was fired after my freshman year. Uh, and then we had a very three un, un, uh, I guess remarkable years. I think we were like three and 30 over those three years. It was, a it was, it was not, it was right before Grant Taft that I graduated. So I missed that era, but, uh, the facilities and, uh, people that remember Floyd Casey Stadium, and you go back 50 years to it, um, we didn't have the training facilities. I mean, what we have today is absolutely first class. I would put it up against any stadium uh, and facilities for uh, whether it's the weight room, the nutrition programs. I mean, none of that uh, was even thought about way back then. Uh, and so it's a difference as far as facilities and night and day. Uh, but I loved uh, being a part of the football team, and, and we were treated well. I mean, it, it, uh, we, we worked hard. Uh, unfortunately, we just didn't win the ball games like they uh, wanted to. But um, it is a fabulous place today. It is state-of-the-art. And I think any young man looking at going to the next level from high school to play college football, uh, and if they're contacted by Baylor, they're going to want to make a visit. And I, I think it's, it's a great place, not only for the facilities, uh, the type of atmosphere, but it's also a great academic institution. I mean, you, I tell people that Baylor was so good to me. I got a great education and I found uh, my partner for life, my wife, Diane, as a freshman and um, found my calling. So um, Baylor's been good to me.
0: Well, you're a pretty loyal fan. How many home football games have you missed in the year since you graduated from Baylor?
2: The only games I missed since graduation was when our own children were growing up and would have activities and uh, practice and football on Saturdays. Uh, And we had a series of uh, times when we were in St. Joseph, Missouri, as you know, and in Amarillo. That It just was a little bit out of reach. But uh, all the other times I was there uh, every, every time I could be there. And, uh, the only thing that distressed me, I'd been so regular over the last 20 years, uh, was this past year with the COVID, obviously when so many games were canceled and we just couldn't get people there.
0: Well, Joe, your undergraduate work was in religion and journalism. How did you wind up choosing healthcare?
2: Well, as I mentioned, I always felt a calling into some type of ministry, uh, in high school, I'd made that, uh, profession that I, I felt uh, in commitment to some kind of ministry. I love journalism. Um, I had worked on the high school newspaper when I was in high school, <clears throat> excuse me, and at my senior year, I was editor-in-chief. I, I really enjoyed that work, and so I wanted to major in journalism and religion as well, thinking maybe I would do, again, as I mentioned earlier, religious journalism or pulpit ministry or some type of ministry, um, and so that was the path I chose going to Baylor. Um, my senior year, uh, Diane's brother uh, is a physician, and he would been he was doing his residency in family medicine at uh, John Peter Smith in Fort Worth, and we'd go up occasionally on the weekends to, to see them, and I'd get uh, with him, and he'd take me over to the hospital, and I'd sit in the emergency room and in the waiting room and just watch what was going on, and I had to do a Special project in photojournalism, and had to write a story, take pictures. So I got permission to do a day in the life of a family medicine resident, and got to follow him around a couple of days over the weekend, taking pictures, uh, getting getting all the right permission, and getting a story about what goes on inside the hospital walls. I, I'll be honest with you, I'd only spent one night in a hospital before then. I'd never been in a hospital. wasn't born in a hospital. I was a an original home birth, and so. Uh, didn't know that much about him, and I always thought it was strictly clinical. So, but I was fascinated by him. You go up, he'd, I'd go up with him when he was on call in the trauma center on Saturday night, and there's nothing like sitting in the waiting room in a public hospital trauma center, Glenn. You know about that, um, and and I just thought this is this place is really interesting. Um, and then I was uh, thinking, well, you know, healthcare is really a interesting field, but I don't want to be a doctor or nurse. I'm wasn't clinical. And then he finished his well, He finished his residency. He got a call to come down to join a family medicine clinic in Uvalde, Texas. And he was going down for the interview. And they uh, he called us, and Diane and I were married at the time, and said, "Why don't you go with us? And we'll uh, we'll go make the visit." And Diane and her brother's parents at that time lived in San Antonio, and we can stop off and see them. So we did, and we're taking the tour. And I'm impressed by learning about what the doctors down there do. And he's being recruited, and we go to the hospital. And we're walking around the hospital and he's talking about uh, the different services they offer in the different areas. And we go by the what he said is our administrative area. And we have a, a new CEO, new hospital administrator. And I hope you'll get to meet him. Right. We he was going into the ministry and we visit with him about maybe coming into the hospital area, go to Trinity, get your master's and become our CEO. And it was almost uh, classical, the lights go off and the bells are ringing. I'm thinking, wow, I never thought about that side of health care as far as uh, administrative versus a clinical. And I said, that might be something that the Lord would be leading me to. I was still looking very closely at what the Lord wanted me to do. uh, And I had been struggling. We would made a trip to seminary thinking I was going to do that. And and we got a very negative view of that. Diane had to have a job as a teacher. And of course, at that time in life, believe it or not, they weren't hiring teachers. They had an abundance of them and she couldn't get a job. And so we said, this may not be what we're supposed to do. looks like a door's closing. So I talked a little bit about that with my brother-in-law on the way back and then came to Waco. And I said, I'm going to call Hillcrest Baptist Hospital. I said, I'm going to just see what I can find out. And somebody suggested we'll call the uh, administrator. So I made a cold call Glenn, a senior in college, calling the CEO's office and saying, I'd like to talk to Mr. Pearson. Well, uh, to his credit, I mean, he took the call, wonderful man, uh, visited with him and said, tell me about what it is that you do and how did you get there? And, um, you know, uh, Mr. Pearson, and, and he was such a, a wonderful man and very personable. And he said, look, it's, you know, healthcare is about ministry. And he talked to me about his ministry and his calling. And he said, look at all the hospitals. They're, they're Baptist, They're Methodist, They're presbyterian I said that's, He said, that's how hospitals got started. They were all church ministries for healing. And I mean, he just gave me a, a, an overview that so impressed me. And it just, again, it, you know, it felt like, well, maybe this is what God's calling me to do. And so I went back and talked to Diane. I said, you know, if this is really what I'm supposed to do, I'm just going to make a cold application to Trinity. It's the only accredited one. Now Baylor has one now that is accredited. And uh, so that was time was the only one that was accredited in healthcare administration. And they had a lot of demand at that time, but I was blessed and I, I was accepted. And as I say, the, the rest is history. And and I attributed that to a, one, a visit to Uvalde, God's intervention and in my calling of what I should be doing. And then ultimately. Dot conversation with a wonderful, wonderful man and leader, uh, Alton Pearson, and uh, that's that pretty much is my story. Uh, and it's been I mean, all I can say, Glenn, is as you know, I've you've heard me say it before, I've spent 45 years uh, in healthcare in the ministry of healing, and I never worked a day in my life. Loved every minute of it.
0: Totally wow. understand that, totally understand.
2: I knew you would.
1: <laughs> that is. Uh, I, I love that story. That is, that is a awesome story. Well, so so you went to Trinity. Tell us tell us about your first job uh, after leaving Trinity. Where, where did you end up?
2: OK, well, part of the uh, program at Trinity was you did 12 months academic on campus and then you were required to do 12 months in a hospital setting or a health system setting, a residency they called administrative residency. Um, and then you have to do a master's thesis, and so um, I was looking at where was I going to do my residency. And uh, of course, when talking to my preceptor, Dr. Galahar, uh, he said, "Well, there's no question that uh, the two that I can tell you are the top in the state in my mind from a faith base is Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas and Hendrick Medical Center." Uh, in Abilene, which is a faith-based uh, Baptist hospital as well. And he said, you got Boone Powell Sr. at Baylor in Dallas, and you got Boone Powell Jr. He just, uh, a couple of years ago, became CEO at Hendrick. So I'm going, okay, well, then I'll go visit both of them and see where the Lord wants me to do my residency. Yeah, those, so those sound wonderful. Totally two different environments. I mean, 100,000 versus whatever Dallas was at that time in population. Um, I was supposed to go to Abilene first, and I was going to drive to Abilene and then visit with Boone Powell Jr. there, and then drive over to Dallas over the Christmas holidays. This was over a Christmas break and interview with uh, Baylor University Medical Center. Well, as it would happen, and uh, you know, in uh, West Texas, they had an ice storm, and I just couldn't get there. I tried. Um, but it, the roads were iced and I, I didn't get too far out of San Antonio. I called Mr. Powell Jr. I was a little bit nervous because here I was not even going to make my interview. I mean, here I am hoping for, to be considered. And so he said, Oh, don't worry. He said, uh, let's wait till this over. Just let's pick another time. He said, by the way, why don't you come spend the weekend and uh, bring your wife with you? And I said, Okay. So I was able to fly up from San Antonio to Dallas the next day and uh, make my appointment with Baylor University Medical Center. Well, what was interesting was Boone Powell Sr. was out uh, on uh, with Christmas break and I interviewed with Dave Hitt. But there were two or three other candidates and they had relationship with other programs. So I interviewed with Dave Hitt and the others had interviewed with him over the break. Anyway they said, well, we'll get back to you. I went back, and the next weekend, Diane and I went to Abilene. Mr. Powell Jr., Ben Jr., uh, visited with us. He showed me around town, put us up in a VIP room Glen for old country boy, and I hadn't seen anything like that, and uh, we were given a, for me at that time, I felt was just a a red carpet treatment, and, and we then went to church, had lunch with him, Peggy afterwards, and we're getting ready to leave. And Boone said, well, if you want the residency, it's yours. You've you, you got it. And he said, but let me know soon because i got other candidates. And so we're driving back, and we're talking about it. Now, bear in mind, we got one car. We've got uh, a need for my wife to have a job to help us get by. And um, I'm sitting there talking to her, and I'm saying, well, hey, I said, Dallas always scared me it's too big a city. I grew up on a farm in a town of 25,000. So Dallas was like this um, mega complex that scared me. I used to drive home at night so that I didn't have to fight the traffic. I'd go literally home at midnight to avoid traffic in Dallas. So I would, but I didn't see how we could get around with one car. We couldn't get a second one. So I said, you know, maybe may be easier first to, to look at Aveline. And I said, besides he offered it to me. And if I don't take it and I let him know I'm not, you know, I'm still waiting. Somebody else might get it, waiting on Dallas. Anyway, long story short, we got back to San Antonio, and the next day I wrote Mr. Powell Jr. and said, I'll accept it. I'd love to come be a resident there. And uh, so I went back then and told my preceptor uh, coordinator, Dr. Gallagher, that I had uh, accepted Hendrick. Uh, the irony of that, Glenn's heard this story too. Much to his dismay, he said, before I even could tell him I was going to Abilene, he said, he called me in and he said, hey, Allison, I just want to give you good news. Baylor called and they want you to come and do your residency there. (laughs) So I had the unfortunate, this was my first test of what you're going to do as a leader sometimes, I guess. I said, well, I'm sorry, Dr. Gallagher, I've already made a commitment to Mr. Powell Jr., And I'm not going to change. Um, Even if I could, I wouldn't. And I'd feel much more comfortable. Um, Obviously, he wasn't very happy about doing that, but it was the right thing to do. And so that's how I got that. And then finished my residency and I was very blessed. My first job came from Boone Powell Jr. He said, I I want to hire you. You'd be my administrative assistant. And then he promoted me to vice president and then ultimately to chief operating officer before he left to go to Baylor. So, I was blessed for 10 years under the tutelage of uh, Boone Powell Jr.
0: Well, Joel, ultimately you wound up at Baylor, but take our listeners from the time for you and Diane from uh, that first job at Hendrick uh, leading up to the time that you wound up at Baylor in Dallas.
2: Yeah, great. Well, I, uh, when Boone left to go to Dallas to head up Baylor University Medical Center, uh, the board then did a search process. I mean, I'm like 32 years old. I've just been the chief operating officer for about a year. And so they asked me to be a candidate, but they did a national search. And they did the right thing. They chose uh, Mike Waters, who I know Glenn knows very well. Very accomplished uh, CEO, was at the Kansas City Baptist Hospital. He was from Texas. Father had been a pastor. And so uh, with Mike coming in, I knew, well, that kind of closed that door, but it was the right thing for the board to do. I was not ready. I was still young and green. However, um, I started getting opportunities, and one that came my way was a uh, CEO position in St. Joseph, Missouri, Methodist uh, Health System in St. Joseph, Missouri. Well, as you know, being born in Missouri and everything, my parents lived in um uh, Just see, my dad was in a nursing home. He'd had a terrible stroke and was incapacitated. Uh, So anyway, I looked at it. I went up there. I tried not to go. Uh, They called me. And I realized after I got there that the reason they hired me, a young, inexperienced CEO, to be their CEO was that nobody else wanted it. It was (laughs) not one that they fired the previous CEO who had been there 25 years, uh, had a bunch of issues that. I wasn't even smart enough to ask the right questions when I interviewed, uh, but I went and it was a great experience. I learned a lot, had to make a lot of changes, actually got involved in a merger there with the other hospital in town. Both the Methodist Church had given up sponsorship and the Catholic Hospital's sisters had given up ownership to the community. So we had two community t- in one small town of 75,000. While at the same time, we were competing against Kansas City mega systems that were forming at that time. If you will remember Glenn in 81, 82 uh, over in Nebraska, they were forming them. And in Iowa, we were up there in that little corner. And so we were being using all of our capital competing against each other when the others were competing for our patients. So long story short, we actually short, we actually began a merger discussion and ended up um, merging the two hospitals. Uh, And about the time we were to finalize it, I got a call uh, to come back to Texas, uh, Tamrilla. Again, it was another turnaround situation and they were looking at somebody to come and try to turn around, but also look at, can we uh, do any kind of relationship building in in that community? Um, They had asked me to be the CEO of the new system in St. Joe, but the other CEO had been there much longer. And I thought, well, Maybe by mind leaving, they'll give it to him. He's from that area. He's got a long tenure, uh, and it might be good for the system, new system. Um, now, they went on a national search. They weren't going to promote the other guys. So uh, they now have – it's it's a great system. It's called Mosaic, and it was a great experience for me to, to participate in that. But that's how I got into Amarillo uh, and worked there for – three years. Uh, we At this time, we had two sons. Uh, both had been born in Abilene, but uh, they're four years apart. Our oldest son was in, um, let's see, at that time we moved there. He was starting in the third, fourth, fifth grade, and our other son was four years behind. Well, unfortunately, right before we moved to Amarillo, our oldest son broke his femur uh, on New Year's Eve. I had to start February 1st, and He broke it on New Year's Eve and he was laid up in the hospital. He had a terrible fracture and he was in traction for six weeks. I actually had to leave to start my new job and then he was home. Well, that delayed him when we moved to Amarillo for sports and he had a very unfortunate and unhappy experience. But long story short, after about three years, we began to realize uh, he's in the sixth grade and he's not very happy. And he's not doing well. He's not getting to play his sports, um, and it was a big thing. And anyway, I was more concerned about family. I was spending a lot of time. I'd been to two tuner, two turnarounds during that time, and I was just basically like Glenn. You've done many times. You you just work, and it's a seven day a week job when you're doing that. And so uh, I began to realize that you know this isn't once something he really and is having a good time. And I got concerned about it at that age. And I'm sitting at my desk working and everything. And I get a call out of the blue. One, you know, just a routine call. And the guy on the other end says, Joel, he said, I have the perfect job for you. And he says, you need to take it. And I don't know uh, if you're willing, but I want to come and talk to you. I'm not going to tell you where it is and I'm going to tell you the name. And I said, who are you? I said, I don't even know you. He said, I know. I said, how'd you get my name? He said, don't worry about that. He said, this is a job you ought to take. But before you say anything and I tell you any more about it, I want to come and talk to you face to face. So I said, he said, I'll buy you dinner. I said, I'll take a free dinner. Come on. I'm happy to talk to you. But that was the strangest phone call I've ever gotten in my life. So we go to uh, dinner he starts talking about it. And finally, he reveals to me that it's Driscoll Children's Hospital in Corpus Christi. And I said, Children's Hospital? I said, one, I've never had any that much experience. Number two, that's not my path. I said, I'm, I'm working with systems, large hospitals. I want to continue growing professionally with uh, larger systems. I'm not interested in, in a single specialty hospital. He said, just promise me you'll do one thing. That you'll come down and visit with the board and visit the hospital. I said, I, I don't even know where Driscoll Children's Hospital is. I knew it was in Corpus, but I didn't know anything about it. He said, well, just come down. Well, it so happened that uh, in about uh, three weeks, it was spring break, and we were going to our place in Corpus Christi in, in Port Aransas on the coast. We were going to go down and spend the week with uh, the boys in Port Aransas. Um, and so I said, well, we're going to be down there and and he, I said, I'll be glad to come over one night and have dinner with the, with the board. And he said, fine, let's get it set up. And, and by the way, bring your wife with you. So I said, fine, we'll do it. Well, we met with the board, three-member board, wonderful people, learned about Driscoll Children's Hospital and just visited. And I said, well, you know, that's fine. But, you know, I really didn't think much more about it. And so we went back home and the next day the recruiter called me and he said, they want to hire you. And wow. I said, what, they want to hire me. I said, they've met me one time. So I don't care. They want to hire you. And they told me that if you don't take it, they're going to hire your wife. So, <laughs> so I guess that's why everybody wanted me to bring my wife is my, obviously my strongest asset. And, uh,
0: same here, no. <laughs> my whole career, Joel, Rhonda has always led uh, uh, and, and made great impressions and helped pave the way for me to just kind of slip in the back door and land the job.
2: Amen. Amen. So I I said, well, you know, okay. I said, uh, I said, let me talk to my boys. So I'm sitting there talking to the boys and I said, guys, you like it down here, don't you? Oh yeah, we love it. I said, would you like to live closer to this, come down here more regularly? I said, oh yeah, we'd love that. So I told him, I said, well, I might move to Corpus. Are you okay with that? I, oh, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my oldest son just per- he perked up. And anyway, so we took the job, moved in, actually had to move into our house on the coast because we were going to build a house and we hadn't sold the one in, in Amarillo yet. Um, and we were going to build one in Corpus. So <laughs> we got to live out in Port Aransas for a year while they went to the school there. And it literally did a 180 on our oldest son. Never seen anything like it. Wow. Just totally changed his life. So I knew then the God had moved us, and I'd made a decision for family over my career. Um, and quite honestly, then uh, six years with Driscoll Children's Hospital, was six of the greatest years I had. Um, I loved the children. It was all about the children. They didn't care about money. They had a foundation backing it. They didn't, everybody was treated regardless if they had any money at all. We took every child from the Valley. Uh, it was just a great mission. Everybody loved children. I didn't have to fight with Medicare anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and and fighting for children in, in Austin on Medicaid is the easiest thing to do. Uh-huh. All you gotta do is tell them, we're gonna go on the front page and tell the paper that the elected officials don't like children. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it, it was a great experience. and. Uh, All along, what was interesting to the other part of the question about at Baylor, the time that I was in St. Joseph, Amarillo and Corpus, I always maintained contact with Boone Powell Jr. as my mentor and advisor. And every time I had to kind of work with the board to understand what healthcare was about, because my predecessor, remember, I did three turnarounds. All, All three CEOs I followed had been fired. And I learned then it's better to fire to follow them than it is to try to follow Boone Powell Jr. I guarantee (laughs) you. Um, It's kind of like trying to follow Bear Bryant in Alabama. You just It's hard. So turnarounds were much better. Um, And I I just kept in touch with Boone. I'd have him come and speak to him because he was such a leader in healthcare. They were doing dynamic things. I'd have him talk to the board about vision, about strategy. And so Boone and I always kept the relationship. In fact, I found out he was trying to develop me to recruit because he had told me, he said, one day I want you to join me at Baylor healthcare system. Wow. He had been mentioning, And I, and in fact, when I took the job at Driscoll, I didn't even tell him, uh, I didn't even call him about it. And he called me, he said, what are you doing? Said, Why didn't you call me? He said, I'm trying to get this thing settled on what I want to do. And I said, Boone, this is the time for me. I said, I've got to do this for my family. Anyway, six years, I loved it. Uh, and so then I'm, down there. And like I said, I've always maintained contact with Boone as a mentor, as advisor. Well, he called me. um, and it was at the end of my son's junior year. And he said, Hey, I want you to come join me. I'm going to create an integrated delivery system. And I want you to be my chief operating officer developing this system. Uh, and I said, well, Boone, I I appreciate it. But I told the boys when we moved and particularly my oldest, I told Brent, we will not move till you graduate from high school. I moved y'all three times uh, as you were in grade school, but I'm not going to move you till you're out of high school. And I said, Ben, I just can't move them. And I'm happy. I said, I'm doing You know, what I love to do. I'm happy and they're happy. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll wait a year. And when he graduates, then you come join me. So I kind of felt, well, I'd use my last excuse not to, to leave. And I, again, felt like after prayer that this is what I'm supposed to, to do. And um, again, that's why I felt, you know, God had a plan and has directed my life. People in my life would be be put there had helped me. And I accepted and went to be uh, Boone's uh, COO and work with him. And it was a great experience. And then he retired and they I was blessed that the board then said, we want you to move into the CEO slot. So wow. that's the little bit of the history. Great. Well,
1: story. Yeah, I I want to go back and ask a question so you could give advice to, to uh, a younger audience uh, that's out there. You know, I, I feel a lot of times my career talking to my buddies, uh, whatever it may be, you know, I feel like there's, there's constantly this pendulum swing uh, in our life and it's, it's a, Hey, you put your head down and you just, you just work. And then the pendulum can swing all the way over here and says, Hey, listen, you need to be home by five so that you can be a good dad and, or a good mom. And you need to you know focus on your kids. Uh, and and I feel like it's, it's kind of always out of whack. How did you find that balance and, and and not be overcome by this fear of? If I mean, I mean, kind of, you had said it, you know, when you're when you're thinking about moving to the children's hospital. Hey, that's that's out of the that's over, kind of in the left lane rather than in my lane. I don't know about taking that detour. What encouragement or advice would you give to a uh, a younger listener that's trying to figure that out? Of hey, do I, I work really hard and try to climb the ladder? Do I get home by five? What what would you say to that?
2: Yeah, no, that's a it's a great question, Jacob, and and it's one that everybody is challenged with. That is in the kind of work we're in. Healthcare is, as your dad knows, is twenty four by seven. You're technically never never off in many cases. But um, I I will say this, and this is advice, uh, and it can be for the a man or a woman. Number one thing that I did right, and maybe that's you need know, me. Number one, I chose the right uh, wife. I chose the right partner. You got to have someone that one supports you, that understands you, but is very firm and would always bring it back to perspective. Uh, Diane's been that wonderful, wonderful wife and helpmate. She has been one, she has supported me in everything that I've done from my career. Uh, She's been there, she's never hesitated to make the move. But at the same time, and this was when I was in Amarillo. And I never will forget that uh, time. Like I said, my oldest was in the sixth grade. The second was in the second grade. And and I was really, you know, hitting it on every cylinder. I never get one night after dinner, we were talking and she said, honey, I've gone as far as I can with the boys. They need you. And it'll hit you between the eyes when she says that. Mm. And I realized she's right. And what the Lord gave us in making that move was gave me time with those two boys. And how do I mean it? One, it gave us access to fishing to do together. It gave us access to honey. And that's the way Corpus is built. It's a, it's a resort type town, tourist town, a lot of sports. And my schedule was basically Monday through Friday because nobody scheduled anything on the weekends. Civic activity, everybody was geared to a weekend. Of doing either going to the coast, going to the fish, going to hunt, going to the ranch, whatever, and so it just gave me time with my boys, and I will never take anything from those minutes. Got to be with them fishing all the time, sitting in a boat with your sons and this job, Sit in a duck blind between two boys early in the morning, watch the sun come up over the over the bay, and listen to them talk and hear them. Sit in a deer stand with them. I mean, it just was like. Nothing you could ever have hoped for as a way in which to re-engage with your sons uh, and to keep them close. and so uh, that was one side of it. The other side is, yeah, sometimes you've got to make a choice. Choice is not easy, but I always felt God had a plan i I felt from the day one that there was a calling and there was always a plan. each move there was a plan. Uh, and I just trusted that plan. Um, I trusted. God to give me the right direction. And I also understood that there are times when you have to make a sacrifice because the family has already sacrificed for you to do what you do. And I was just blessed that I, I took that break. And like I said, I would have never left had it not been Baylor healthcare system and Boone and the Lord directed me. Um, But at the end, you've got to balance it. You've got to listen. And again, get a good spouse that will help you. uh, keep the, keep a mentor. I I was blessed with mentors that helped me spiritually as well as professionally. And they taught me a lot about that balance in life. It's one of those things that I always felt like I couldn't do it alone. You just can't do it on your own. You need a lot of support. And I was blessed to have great support. As I said, at home, great support, uh, professionally, uh, great support from my mentors and my pastor, um, so uh, you just have to learn to do that. Balance. It's not easy. Is it easy? No. And uh, I guess like Glenn, that's how I knew when to retire was when I'm sitting there and my wife says, it's my time. <laughs> it's no longer you, know, you just doing all you're doing. She says, even when you're home, you're not home. She says, it's my time. And that's when I made the decision to retire before I ever would have retired. I, I mean, I'm like your dad. I wasn't going to kept on going. Uh, except I knew that there was something more important than whether I went another two years, three years uh, in the, in healthcare, as opposed to spending time with my wife. And again, that was it was the right time to retire.
0: Well, Joe, well, you all have raised a, a magnificent vineyard of children, uh, three three great kids. Uh, just update our listeners r- real briefly on, on on what all three of them are doing and uh, so that uh, folks that know the Allisons uh, can can keep up with these uh, three amazing kids of y'all's.
2: Right, thanks. Our oldest, Brent, uh, he went to A&M Galveston. He found his passion. He came in one day when he was a junior in high school. He said, Dad, I know what I want to do and know where I want to go to school. And he he's going to AM and Gavison because he loved that ocean, wanted to be on the water, wanted to captain those big ships coming in and out that he saw all the time out of Port Aransas. Uh, so he went there, got his degree, worked in that industry for three years, decided that wasn't good for family time. He'd married um, and then he went back to law school at Tulane and got a maritime law degree. So he's now a practicing attorney uh, in Houston. Um, three children. Oldest is sixteen, just turned sixteen, and two uh, pair of twins that are twelve, and they're they're doing great. Unfortunately, uh, two years ago he and his first wife divorced, but he remarried this last summer, and they're doing great, and and they're really enjoying uh, the kids, and and it's been a little bit of a struggle, but uh, I'm very proud of him for what he's doing, and, and the fact that uh, he's really focused on the family. Um, Then our second son, Blake, who Glenn knows, uh, is in healthcare. He, he told me the whole time he was in high school and college, he would never do what I did. He said, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do it.
0: I understand that.
2: And, and it was interesting, Jacob, you appreciate this. He was getting a senior year. He was in human performance and fitness. He was going to be one of these big fitness buffs and do all that kind of work and do human performance. And, he had to do a internship at uh, a facility, some kind of medical facility he had to do for one of his classes. So he called me and said, I wonder if I could do something like that. I said, well, let me make a call. Richard Scott at Hillcrest is over And I said, hey, Richard, I need a favor. Would you mind if my son did kind of an internship? I don't want you to pay him, don't pay him. This is for class. He didn't need to be paid for it. I just want him to do something over there in healthcare or be around it. He can't do clinical. So anyway, As you would expect, Richard said, oh, sure, we can do that. Just have him come on over and talk to me. Well, they put him in guest relations, Glenn. (laughs) And so he goes down into guest relations and he's working down there. And he calls me one day and he says, dad, he said, do you know what they call you guys down here on the floors and everything? And I said, I can imagine there's a lot of things they call us, I'm sure. He says, they call you all suits. You're all the suits. They always say, oh, it's the suits that are doing this. I said, well, that's probably right. Well, the next week he called and he said, Dad, I now understand why you do what you do. I want to go get my master's in health care. Wow. That's because he got to the patients. He saw the real reason you do this uh, about the patient and the people. And so anyway, he went on to get his master's, uh, did residency at Memorial Hermann, and then went to Baptist in uh, Birmingham. Then he was recruited away by United Surgical Partners, who we had a partnership with on ambulatory surgery worked with them, and then got recruited away uh, by Baylor, Scott and White, to work in that quality alliance, much to my dismay, and told him I would not approve it. Uh, so the board approved it. And uh, anyway, he did that, and then he was recruited over to South Carolina, and he's uh, working in healthcare in South Carolina. And his wife, he met while he was in graduate school, and they have three uh, beautiful children, a 15-year-old, A 12 year old and a 10 year old. So they're all doing well. And then, of course, while we were in Corpus, being involved in the children's hospital, and due to my wife's decision at the time to not go back full time teaching after the boys were no longer needing her and not to go take a part time job or run for politics, she was a great teacher. She decided she wanted a third child. And we were so old, I said, Well, I don't think we want to do that. And she said, Well, we can adopt. And so we adopted a precious daughter, Celeste. She is now going to be, uh, believe it or not, 29 this month. She's in Austin. She works for a, she has been working for several years with uh, bottled water companies. And this one is Hint, a flavor bottle. You probably know about it, Jacob. This is their big deal. And it's out of San Francisco and they uh have her in Austin working for them. and that's what she's been doing uh for some time and believe it or not she's finishing her degree this semester at Baylor she started Baylor then she said that wasn't for her and um but now she's back getting her degree working full time and um doing very well very proud of her so that's the and yet, fortunately we don't no kids yet she didn't need them she didn't she's
0: oh, I remember. Not married. Being Celeste when she was a new freshman at Baylor and, uh, uh, that's Brent right. and, uh, Celeste at the football game. And she was just a ball of fire and, uh, and, uh, just real excited. And, uh, that's really great that she is circled back and is, is completing her degree. And of course, uh, Blake and Brent are just, just amazing, amazing young men. Well, you know, Joel, life is funny. Would you have ever thought when you went to meet with Alton Pearson at that hospital, that one day you would be the CEO over that hospital, or when you went to uh, Baylor to interview uh, for a potential residency slot, that one day you would be the CEO of that hospital as well. And then uh, yeah. Blake, your son, he wound up doing an initial introduction to healthcare at Hillcrest, uh, uh, which you, know, you were uh, ultimately the CEO of that entire health system. But I mean, would you ever thought that?
2: Never, never, Glenn. In my wildest imagination, could I ever dream of it. Uh, but it was it, it was a wonderful, wonderful journey, and uh, boy, I wouldn't take for a day of it. Uh, it was such a it was such a pleasure. And as I've said, one of the great uh, benefits of the merger of Baylor Scott and White Jacob was that we got your dad in our system. Uh, I'd always admired your dad. I worked with him on uh, THA work and got to know him and visiting. And I tell you, I knew he was a, he, he could have been the CEO if he kept going. I know he wouldn't have done it, but he could have been the CEO of Better Scott and White one day because he's that good. And it was a joy to be able to get uh, to work with him in a professional way uh, within the system. And so happy to get, I, I just, it was, sir, it was really, for me, very special. Because Hillcrest has a special place in my heart. And it's and it what's what's weird is we Diane and I talked for 10 years that when I retired, we were going to move to San Antonio so I'd be closer to the coast and to Port Aransas. And because of the merger and us getting a little condo for me to use and for us to use for Baylor stuff because I was driving back and forth. And during that time, 35 between Temple and Waco was a mess. And I had to be on that all the time. Diane said, we need to get a little place in Waco where you can stop off because it's too late at night and I'm afraid you'll go to sleep and getting up early in the morning. So anyway, after about two years of using that little condo downtown, Diane says, I don't want to move San Antonio. I want to move to Waco. (laughs) And I said, that's fine with me. You're going to go to every Baylor event, sporting event. And I said, you put me in heaven uh, if you do that. She said, I want to live in Waco. I want to live downtown in a condo. I don't want a house. I want to be able to just go. And so anyway, we have uh, loved it, but Now we get all of our health care at Hillcrest, which, again, good Lord. I I never would have envisioned that because it it was just perfect uh, for us. And I want to tell you, uh, that hospital is great. We've unfortunately experienced it a couple of times, but um, every experience has been first class. And Glenn, I can't thank you enough for making it such a great facility.
0: Joel, one of my dreams was to always work with you. And then the privilege of us being able to do that was, uh, was just a blessing to me and Rhonda and to our entire family. And, uh, um, and I, I just really enjoyed it. It was just an honor for you to be my boss and, uh, for us to get to work together just on some really cool things.
2: We did. And I never considered to be your boss. I considered you, you were a co-equal with me, Glenn. You were every bit as uh, good, if not better CEO than I, and it was just a joy for me well well i i tell people uh i
1: claim him publicly i'm uh, not
2: not afraid to so uh, you, you've you got every right to be proud jacob <laughs>
1: well i i, I want to talk about exactly kind of what y'all two are talking about right now of, of how y'all work together joe you were you were at the helm of of a, a massive merger and making baylor scott and white uh this this entire health system it, it, turning it into a massive organization, walk our listeners kind of that 30,000-foot view of what that undertaking was like, the vision that you had to bring. I'm sure so many people on board with you to get that that vision done, and, and some were probably easier than others, and uh, and some still probably are kicking and screaming about it. But walk us through as a leader, how did you uh, get the troops fired up, and how did you execute that?
2: Well, it took a lot of help there was a lot of people involved and it all began with somewhat of the relationship that Baylor healthcare system had with Scott and white, um, during those years, we found ourselves together in different meetings, different groups. Uh, we were two participants in the high value healthcare group, uh, only two systems from Texas that were in those high value quality groups, talking about quality all the time. We were in the uh, old Southwest Alliance together. Um, that we worked on a group purchasing together, as Glenn will recall. And so we were thrown together quite a bit in other settings, and we always liked to benchmark against uh, one another. Drayton was on the board of Board of Regents with one of our board members back when, and they would talk and they would say, Well, how are we doing against each other? Well, whenever we started trying to, to compare benchmarks like that, the legal people would say, Hold on. Y'all can't go too far here because you would be in violation. So we had to kind of pull back, uh, but we knew that we had similar missions. And when uh, Dr. Pryor followed Dr. White, I guess, as CEO, Bob and I became good friends through the um, Coalition of uh, Hospitals for Purchasing and doing some other work on looking at uh, quality indicators and how you could better improve care. And the more we talked and visited, the more we realized we had many similarities. Uh, we knew we wanted to grow. And Bob and I were having breakfast because the attorneys kept saying, you can't compare that. You can compare certain things, but you can't compare that. And they said, why don't we just get over that and let's let's just merge our systems and so we don't have to worry about it. Um, and we felt like we had geographic coverage that was important for both of us. We both needed to grow. We were growing. The Texas was growing, our areas. So we said, hey, that's a, you know, Bob. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. We just had that discussion over breakfast. So let's go back and talk to our chairs and let's see uh, what they say. So we both talked to our chairs. His was Drayton. Mine at that time was uh, Albert Black then followed by Jim Turner. And um, both of them told us that they're going to fire us rather than merge. Uh, So they said, no, we're not doing that. And that was our first. And Bob and I called each other and we both got the same reaction. There's no need. We kept talking. And finally we said, well, what if we at least have the CEOs and the chairs meet ever so often? So we started those meetings with Drayton and Albert and me and Bob Bob and myself. They went on and on, but it wasn't going anywhere. And so we said, let's take a cooling off period. It's not working too well. It just wasn't feeling like the time. In the meantime, our board chairs rotated and, uh, Scott and Watch didn't. So Jim Turner became chair. And then we continued the discussions with Jim Turner, Drayton McLean, and Bob and myself. Uh, Jim knew Drayton. They'd both been on the board of regents of Baylor and they knew each other professionally from their businesses. So we got a little bit more discussion. A little, they could understand probably we had people come in and speak to our board separately about mergers. We had people who had been CEOs or were CEOs of systems that had merged. We had them talk to the board. Finally, the board agreed to appoint a committee from each board to start studying it and getting in much more detail and trying to hammer out a LOI, letter of intent. Uh, And we visited some other systems. We uh, talked to them. So we did a lot of study. It took about two years to really get to that point. And where we did a cultural assessment, we had an audit done uh, of the two systems, see if we lined up. We knew we had similar missions. We were focused on patient care. We were focused on quality. We were both teaching facilities, academic facilities, and we were both uh, into some phase of research. So there were a lot of uh, areas that we aligned. In fact, the audit came back that for two organizations coming together like this, we're much more aligned than we're separate. Obviously we had some differences, but there was much more alignment. So finally the board, agreed. But before we even announced it, the board's made the decision, we want to name a CEO, we want to know the name of the organization, and we're going to name the first chair. Um, And I was looking at retirement, I'd already been working on my retirement. And so I was saying, this is a great time for me to step out. Um, But even before we could do anything, Bob said, I don't want to be CEO, I want Joel to be CEO. So I blame Dr. Pryor for my being CEO. Well, once. That was determined. Drayton was chosen as the first chair then since I was going to be the CEO. And then we came up with a name like some organizations form a third name well, we felt there was so much value in the brand of Scott and White and Baylor. And it just made it easier to just say Baylor Scott and White, because that meant something in healthcare care to everyone. Some people thought we were a law firm, but it really was a healthcare system. But That's how we came to it. And then we formed an integration team. And what what really helped us, Jacob, to your question about getting everybody involved was we had worked so long and hard about making it happen that basically we said, once we sign this, we're not going back, that we're going forward. We're burning the boat, so to speak. And the board said, there's gonna be one system. We're not gonna be two operating entities. Um, we're going to not have a holding company. We're going to have one operating company, one fiduciary board. And that helps send a pretty powerful message. But we, again, there was so much overlap and commonality among our physicians and our people. Some of our physicians had trained at either place. They knew each other. Um, And there just was a lot of cultural fit because of the mission. And again, the strength of Hillcrest and its faith-based mission and how Glenn carried that out made a, a big difference for our, I know, our board as well as Scott and White was founded by Christian people. You had strong Christians on the board of Scott and White. You had a lot of overlap and the fact that the CEOs and the chairs were both, were all four Baylor graduates, gave you a little bit of cultural fit and you had uh, several other people, but there was also a linkage to AM. We had started using uh, students from AM at Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas. Scott and White had AM. So it really was a lot of positives, but we put the integration team. The great thing about that, Glen, will remember is we met at Hillcrest. That was kind of the midpoint. We had all of our integration meetings there. And the first one I went to, his special guy in dietary served up the best homemade pralines. And I told him, we're merging. It's going to happen because I want these pralines. And uh, that to me was very insignificant in getting this merger done. But no, we had good people on both sides. Uh, and there's always going to be folks that are resistant, and we knew that, and we said, fine, uh, we'll help make you happy somewhere else. You know, we want you happy. Uh, Most people, they just want to know what it meant to them. Did a lot of of aggressive communications. You have to communicate, 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 because everybody wants to know, what does it mean to me? And I think the fact that we did not have any overlap, one, helped us get through antitrust, because we had no overlap on service area, which was very positive for us to get through some of that. And we kept the two models. People say, "Oh, you can't merge because you've got a clinic model and then you've got a independent practice type model." But we've been hiring physicians, um, and it's surprising how you can work those together. And they were able to maintain pretty much a a, a coequal status, and and they were it functions to this day, I think, extremely well. And it can, it, it integrates around the Quality Alliance, or Baylor Quality Alliance, Glenn, I think, helped to integrate that because everybody could be in that, but you didn't have to be employed uh, the, to be in. And uh, again, I, I tell you, it, it takes a lot of work, uh, but we had a lot of support from our medical staff leadership. We formed a very good board, equal representation from Scott and White's board and from Baylor Healthcare System. We have four very good physicians on the board that help us uh, in that area. So I just felt like there was a lot of lot of positives that came out of it that stacked up way ahead of the negatives. But I will say this, you can never under-communicate. You have to communicate, communicate in every means possible, whether it's using your social media folks to do it, uh, face-to-face, uh, it's just... That's part of the uh, energy and effort that needs to make them successful. And most mergers, if you look back on them, that fail. 75% of those failures was because of a lack of a cultural fit. And it just and one thing I felt we had was enough of a cultural fit to make it work.
0: Well, so it, if, go ahead, Jake.
1: If, if I'm hearing you correctly, just to, to summarize, if you work in mergers and acquisitions or you're trying to do a
0: major merger, focus on the pralines.
2: That's right. That's it, boy. Something like that will do it every time.
0: Well, a couple of behind-the-scenes secrets are Roger Wormley, our chef's famous pralines. They are just magnificent. And, and, and one of the other probably not so well-known facts that it, it, it was culture, it was communication, but, Joel, you were the glue that for the next three years, you almost lived on the road. Uh, going from hospital to region to hospital, back to Dallas, uh, back to Temple, back to College Station, Waco, Marble Falls, uh, Austin. Um, and 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 really, uh, it, it was a totally different pace and lifestyle than what you had been experiencing. And it's because of your personal commitment that made this merger successful. Because if you had not made those trips, you had not spent time in those communities. Um, I'm not saying the merger would not have worked, but I can definitely assure you that it would not have gone as smoothly if it had not been for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you made a decision to retire, and Diane thought she was getting you back home, and uh, and so you moved to Waco. And tell our listeners <laughs> the curveball that uh, wound up uh, flying into Diane's mitt.
2: Well. <laughs> uh- first of all, Glenn, you're very kind with your comments, but I tell you, it took a lot of a lot of good folks, and, and I met a lot of great people on those trips. The trips were, were worth every minute because of the people, good people all throughout the system. But yeah, we uh, moved down here and uh, retired. I retired in 2017, February 1st. Uh, we moved into our condo downtown, and I was getting all... Relaxed and enjoying uh, trying to figure out what's next and kind of sliding into that retirement, not getting up early in the morning and going late at night and just kind of being able to rest. And the uh, Board of Regions, I was on the board, but just a member. And uh, you'll recall in these times, this is 2017, uh, just after uh, New Year 2017, gone through some difficult times with our football program and the firing of a coach, stepping down of a president, um, AD. Anyway, it was a very tumultuous time. Uh, and I was approached by the board dominating committee. Would I be willing to step in as uh, chairman of the board? It uh, was not on my agenda. I did not want that. I did not want to do that. Uh, but I love Baylor. And they kept saying, we, we want you. And some of my dear friends advised me I need To do that. Uh, And I I knew it was going to be tough. uh, But again, I knew we had good people, and and I love Baylor. I prayed about it and I accepted it, and I stepped in as chair. Uh, The good thing was we had hired Dr. Linda Livingstone. She and I started our respective roles on the same day, um, July 1. And um, she is an outstanding uh, leader. And one of the things that I have always believed in every organization, and because I think that's how we started, is that I had always learned that the most important relationship in any organization is a relationship between the chair of the board and the CEO of the organization. And so Lynn and I had a great relationship on how we were going to move forward. She was very, very uh, articulate, very uh, much what we needed. And so we started making trips because we knew we had a Baylor family that we knew were embarrassed. They were hurt, they were angry. They all had a right to be uh, upset and embarrassed. And we knew we had a lot of work to do. So we started spending a lot of time on the road. We made trips literally all over the United States, talking to alums, sharing the story, Linda's vision, my sharing a little bit of what was going on with the board. Uh, we had a task force working to totally restructure the Board of Regents to make recommendations on how we could be a better functioning board. Did a lot of work on board restructuring over that year. Made a lot of one-on-one visits, made a lot of group visits to, again, re-engage with the Baylor family. And, And as you know, there were a lot of different sides, a lot of different factions. But I will tell you this, and I told this to the board, I told it to people we talked to, I don't care where they were coming from, if they were angry, hurt, embarrassed, mad, whatever. They all love Baylor. And that's why they were so passionate. What I've found about Baylor alums, and Glenn can speak to this having lived in Waco as long as he did. People are passionate about Baylor. We love Baylor. We love its mission. And so there had to be an expression of that. And so we wanted to totally change that. We were blessed, again, by... People who came with a sense of calling, Linda felt called to be the president. Our coach felt called to come. We were blessed to get Coach Rule to turn this around. Great, great person felt called. Our athletic director, Mac Rhodes, came as a sense of calling. And each one of them said, because none of them had to come to Baylor at that time. None of them, I mean, we, we were struggling, but they all felt God had called them to come to the Baylor um, and continue. And one thing I f- know about Baylor, it's very resilient. And I am just so proud that I had a, a great uh, opportunity to graduate from Baylor. Proud to be a Baylor alum. Had a lot of help serving on the board as, as a chair. And I sp- spent two years uh, working with Dr. Livingstone. Um, I'm very supportive of her vision and what she's doing. The board's in a good place. We've got some great, great people on the board that uh, really love Baylor. So yeah, it, it was a, a dedicated time. But I also realized that was kind of a way to slide into retirement because I was always told that if you're going up 90 miles an hour and you just stop, that's the worst thing that can happen uh, sometimes to people. Uh, so I didn't have to worry about that. And so by the time I finished my two years, I was ready to stop.
0: <laughs> well, some of us uh, sometimes were worried that you had taken it from 90 miles an hour to about 120 miles an hour. Uh, Joel, thank you for that incredible work.
2: Uh, you're quite yeah. welcome. Thank you for everything you have done, Glenn, in your career. And I know you're not done. And God's still got a lot of work for you to do and in his plan. And uh, again, I just can't thank you enough for the privilege and pleasure I had uh, those last uh, three and a half years working with you uh, with the merger and, and with Biter Scott and White. So it was a joy. And thank you for giving us great access to good health care here in Waco, Texas.
0: Well, it is our pleasure. We don't want to turn into the mutual admiration society here, but uh, Joel, the feeling is definitely mutual. Though, thank you. Well, as
1: as we wrap up here, uh, Joel, some of, some of our favorite times uh, with our guests are what we call the rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we get to do a little uh, a deep dive and just kind of a little bit more of who you are uh, and and kind of learn some neat things about you. So, my dad's going to start off with the first question, and we'll just kind of bounce back and forth here,
0: Joel. Okay. Be- the best and worst advice you've ever been given. Best and worst advice.
2: I think the best advice I ever received was to be sure you have mentors and choose your mentors wisely, because who you choose will determine the kind of advice you will get. And I mean that from both professional as well as spiritual uh, mentors. Uh, That was by far the best advice, followed secondly by Be sure you create a network and never burn bridges. A friend once told me, if somebody asks you a question, you don't have the answer. You should be able to make three phone calls or contacts and you can get the answer for them if you've got a wide enough network. Uh, The worst advice I got was, oh, you don't want to go to Baylor University. You want to go to, you know, Missouri or K-State or you don't want to go down there to Texas. Um, Well, I'm glad I didn't take any of their advice.
1: I li- I like the uh, the network answer. I I think that's that's some great advice. Uh next question, who are the most influential people in your life?
2: Well, obviously the very first was my mother. Um my mother is a powerful Christian. Was a powerful Christian. so she was so committed that I was going to one be the first to go to she made sacrifices. I mean sacrifices in order for me to be the first in our family to go to college. And she was such a great influence uh, as a strong Christian woman who dealt with some adversity uh, and yet uh, never uh, doubted one minute, whatever the circumstance. Strong faith based. Uh, she was just a great influence in my life. Uh, my pastor of our church in Jefferson City, as I mentioned, was very close. Uh, and the other person had a great influence early in my career, I mean, my life, was our high school football coach. Uh, unbelievable man. We went through high school, never lost a game. Uh, taught me so many life's lessons as a sophomore, junior, and senior that I carry with me today. And then I'd say the other person uh, professionally, obviously, is Boone. Boone Powell, great influence throughout my whole career. Um, and I had some wonderful uh, pastors uh, who had tremendous influence on me. I uh, had another board member, gentleman uh, by the name of Dick Brooks. Glenn knows Dick Brooks. Uh, Glenn, this is how the Lord works in your life. He puts people in your lives uh, that mean so much. Dick and his wife Martha were the young married department Sunday school directors at First Baptist Church in Abilene when we joined Abilene First Baptist Church. They were our young uh, married leaders. And then ultimately became my boss as a board chair. But all along the way, Dick was a great mentor to me. Uh, and then finally, man that I just love, uh, Bill Pinson, Dr. Bill Pinson, used to be the president of Baptist General Convention of Texas, um, was on the board of Baylor Healthcare System. His office was about two floors above mine over in the uh, Baylor University Medical Center. And he was a tremendous uh, spiritual advisor uh, to me and still is, we still have contact. Wow. So, okay. I got a lot of people I can say thank you to. Oh yeah. And uh, me.
0: The list is long and it's, it's much longer than the one you've already given. There's no question about yeah. it. Well, Joel, besides COVID, uh, any uh, major events in your life this past year?
2: Any major events that occurred? I'm I'm pleased to say there was, uh, the COVID was a big one. Um, I think having our, uh, daughter back in, uh, Baylor and being close by has been great, um, uh, for us this year during this COVID. Uh, but now it, it's, uh, you know, I can't think of anything major, uh, that has been more uh, significant than the COVID because it's, uh, it's definitely had an impact in a lot of different ways. But, um, uh, again, my wife and I have been blessed, uh, and just, uh, looking forward to getting through this like everyone else and and moving forward.
1: Absolutely. Well, Joel, when was the last time you took a risk and how did it work out?
2: Uh, I probably took a risk just getting up this morning. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> as, as I used to say, you take a risk every day. Uh, but no, seriously, the biggest, the last big risk that I took, uh, I would have said Baylor Scott and white merger. I uh, was a huge risk to take that on. I I mean, no, no, sometimes those are career limiting experiences, but, um, that one. And then I, I'll be honest with you. I took a risk taking on the chair of the board of regents because I was, you know, pretty much done. I, my wife was not overjoyed about that saying, you don't need this, you're at this point in life. But I felt again, as I said, that it was the right thing to do for God's direction. And, and it was a risk.
0: Well, I would say uh, you were the quarterback and two significant, unbelievable touchdowns in in regards to both of those risks, for sure. Joel, what about the best and most meaningful place you've ever visited?
2: I think both the best and the most meaningful, Glenn, had to be the trip we took to Normandy and Normandy Beach and to that. I mean, my dad served in World War II. I didn't understand a lot about it. He didn't talk about it, Uh, but, I mean, you can't go there and not see and feel what our young men went through on that day for us to have freedoms, and I will never forget that trip and never forget the impact it had on my life at that time. Uh, It was was really um, unbelievable, and so I would say it was the, the best and the most meaningful. We've been blessed. We've been on a lot of trips. We've had the pleasure of doing a lot of travel around the world, different places, but that one will always uh, stick out in my mind.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it's on my bucket list for sure. For Mm -hmm. sure.
1: Well, you've alluded to them, uh, but we want to ask one more question. Tell us about uh, something you learned from your parents.
2: Well, I'd have to say from my, Definitely from my mother. I learned faith. I learned how to believe, how to, uh, and she had tremendous relationship skills with people. People would, I can remember people calling her and talking to her. And just, she was a great listener. She, she would give advice. Uh, she didn't, when the whole time I grew up, she didn't even drive. And so she was at home. People would come to see her. And I can remember many times people just wanted to talk to her. Uh, she was she. She had a tremendous, uh, I guess, way about her, and taught me about relationships, uh, and and really taught me about faith in Christ. I mean, we she made sure we read the scripture every night. We had devotional at night. Um, when I was dating everything, um, she stayed up every night till I got home. Didn't matter if I was running behind. We. My brother and I used to have a saying, we kind of lived in a shotgun house with her bedroom in the back. And then you came into the living room and then out to the porch. And she said, when we got home, if mom was back in the bedroom and we could uh, tell her good night there, we were okay. If she was in the living room, you're at least probably going to have to do some explaining if she was sitting in the chair in the living room for you. And if she was ever on the porch, you might as well not even go home. You better find a friend, take you in (laughs) because you're in big trouble. (laughs)
0: Well, Joel, how about the best and worst uh, job that you've ever had? Best job, worst job?
2: Well, there's no question. My best, the best jobs was in healthcare with Baylor, Scott and wide. And if I had to be forced to say the best, of the best, it was my six years at Driscoll Children's hospital. I mean, just phenomenal. But every year with Baylor, the best job I had was in healthcare, Baylor, Scott and wide, all of them. It was, those are the great jobs. Worst job I ever had was hauling hay in August when I was a kid, hauling hay in the hay fields in the hot sun of August and getting up in those haylofts. I was happy to not have to be hauling hay in August uh, when I went off to college. <laughs> yes. Well, uh,
1: what book are you reading right now?
2: The current one I'm reading is The Testament by John Grisham. I, uh, During my career, I was reading a whole lot of professional and journals and, I uh, found that after I retired, I could do some of what I called my fun reading. And so uh, Grisham is one of those authors I read, along with uh, Cussler, Clive Cussler. I love him. Um, John Baldoshi, uh, Michael Connolly. I mean, I've actually read probably more books of fiction than I have in all my other life. But uh, I enjoy that that book and uh, haven't quite read all of Grisham, just about all of Grisham's books.
0: Well, how about in addition to the Bible, the best book you've ever read, Joel? Well,
2: in addition to the Bible, the best book I ever read from a professional was, I think, Authentic Leadership by Bill George. Um, and then, of course, I, like you, Glenn, I've read every one of Jim Collins' books, Cotter's books. Uh, the Life and Teachings of Jesus Christ was another great book that uh, I actually studied in college that uh, taught me a lot. So... Um, there, There's just a lot of good books out there to read, but but I really, from a professional, it was Cotter. Uh, and one of the things I had read early on, and it really is the uh, uh, Leading Change book, uh, Leading Change. And uh, it's in this environment where change is happening every day. I recommend it to anybody uh, professionally uh, to read. In fact, I'm going to have Glenn, my class, read it this semester.
0: Fantastic.
1: Fantastic. Well, final question. What's next for Joel Allison?
2: Well, I think one, it's what God has in plan. I'm always excited to see what God's plan is. Uh, I think right now it's, it's all about the family. It's time for the family, grandkids uh, get through this COVID. It makes you appreciate so much more being able to get with them. And now that we've got some time, gather with them at Port Aransas, which they all love to come to. Uh, So I think it's going to be about Diane and time with her, uh, devoted to her. She spent 45 years supporting me while I was active. I want to spend another uh, 20 years supporting her uh, and being with her and with my grandchildren uh, and my children. So I'm looking for really getting to this and just having nothing but family time.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, Joel, thank you so much uh, for being on our show today. It truly was an honor to sit down with you and discuss your amazing career and your journey. So thank you.
2: Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. And again, I just appreciate so much, Glenn, your friendship and uh, the relationship we've had over the years. And I'm glad you're doing this. Uh, You've got some outstanding people. It sounds like Uh, I don't know how I ever got into the class, but I appreciate uh, the honor of being asked. And I'm humbled by it. Well, you again. And
1: uh, we're going to have all of our links uh, about Joel uh, in our show notes, so make sure you check those out. And as always, thank y'all for
0: listening. Thanks again, Joel, my friend. So glad that you've been able to join us. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Make sure that you subscribe, share our podcast with others, and follow us along on Instagram. And until next time, keep chasing what matters.